Welcome to the ABCs of Matrescence. We are two mamas, Emma and Mackenzie, and we both have toddler age boys. And here on our podcast, we chat all things real motherhood from A to Z and everything in between. Matrescence is the process of becoming a mother, and each and every episode, we dive into some aspect of that. So, if you recognize my voice, I am Mackenzie, and I'm going to be flying solo tonight with my interview, and I have the fabulous opportunity to spend a little bit of time with Luan Moses. So we're really excited to bring you this interview with her, and she is of the More Than a Mother podcast. Luan is a business and life success strategist, author of Rising Above, 10 Simple Steps to Achieving Success Against All Odds, and the host of her podcast, in addition to being a mother to her three children. She balances her passion for helping other women to succeed through her online business and podcast with working a full-time job as well. In short, Luan is a superwoman. Emma and I first connected with Luan through an Instagram podcast chat group that we were a part of. Emma listened to Luan's podcast and eagerly shared it with me, and we both appreciated her motivational opinion on what a mother can accomplish when she is focused and driven and In addition to this, her down-to-earth and transparent perspective about the challenges of motherhood really appealed to both of us. Luan dives into a variety of topics on our podcast and invites women from all types of backgrounds to converse with her, in addition to doing some episodes where she shares her own personal experiences. She's truly an accomplished and inspirational woman, and we are delighted to have the chance to sit down with her today. So welcome, Luan. Thank you so much for being with me. Thank you so much for having me today, Mackenzie. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're we're just we are really glad to finally get a chance to sit down with you. It's been fun connecting with you over Instagram over the last several weeks, and so here we are. So, would you mind please telling our listeners just a little bit more about yourself and your background? Hi, everybody. So my name is Lawan Moses. And as Mackenzie said, I am a business and life success strategist. So what that means is that I help working moms to set boundaries and establish priorities in order to reclaim their power so that they can unleash their full potential. In addition to that, I am a mother of three children. So my oldest child is, he'll be 20 this year. And then I have a daughter who, on the day we're recording this, her birthday is tomorrow, so she'll be 13. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I know, right? And then I have another daughter who is 10, almost 11. And I also work full time at a police department as a victim service specialist where I assist victims of crime with receiving all types of services. And that is what I am about in a nutshell, although I wear many, many other roles. I was going to say, so what you're saying is you have a lot of free time. (laughs) Oh, yes, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Yes. Well, that um, I think that your your background and what we first started to remember learning about you just from um, getting to know you through your page on Instagram, I, I remember Emma and I being like, you know, it really seems like, I mean, Luan is a woman that's involved in a lot of different things. And Emma's like, I know she really is. She's, she's definitely, you know, she, she has a lot of different facets to her. And I think both of us sometimes find ourselves so right now, almost solely focused on motherhood. So looking at you, we were like, okay, there is definitely light at the end of this toddler tunnel. So <laughs> yes, there is. There is definitely light. And believe it or not, when you guys look and say, oh, Luan looks like she's involved in a whole lot of things. This is me actually being cut down to the minimum amount of things that I could be doing. So imagine what my life looked like before you guys saw me on social media. 
<laughs> wow. Well, yeah, maybe maybe it's for the best because I think if that had been the case, we might have been too intimidated to be like, can we please chat with you? <laughs> oh, you guys make me sound so great. I'm just a regular person. <laughs> well, it's um, it's definitely not uh, not a small order to have, you know, these various aspects, not only to your personal life with your family and you know, then your professional life is your job, but also to desire to support and uplift other women. So what first inspired you to become a business and life success strategist, Luan? I was first inspired to become a success strategist. I would say it started with, as I explained, I work in a police department. So working in a police department for the past 14 years almost, I would say that or excuse me, I've worked in victim services for the past 14 years. I've worked in the police department for the past almost 11 years. And working with people and mostly women, because most of my clients are domestic violence clients, I meet them at some of their lowest moments. So my whole career has been about empowering these women, empowering these victims of crime to kind of really see the light that's at the end of their tunnel. So it was just a journey of always being about empowerment, always being people's cheerleader, always being about that support. When about, I would say seven years ago, I just decided that I reached a certain level of success in my life, but I felt like something was missing. And I realized I was tired of meeting people at their lowest of low points. And I kind of wanted to meet people at a higher up level because being in this field that I'm in, it can wear on you, reach burnout and things of that nature. And I did find myself back then reaching burnout because I was doing so much and often carrying my work home that I decided to take what I was doing as a professional in my career field and kind of flip it over to how can I use this with everyday women, not people that are victims of crime or things of that nature, but the people that are my friends, family that are out here just really struggling, caught up in this thing called motherhood, trying to figure out how am I, I'm a mother, but I was a person first, but I've lost myself with this motherhood because that's where I was at that time and working my way through that. I'm like, okay, if I can do it, then I know other people can do it as well. So that kind of put me on this journey to really start to put the pieces together to realize that you can determine your own level of success. And I think when people think about success, they have like these levels where they feel they have to reach a certain success. It has to look a certain way, be a certain way. But I kind of took that as everyone has their own unique life story. They have something that brought them to the point that they're at today. And so you can't expect your success to look like someone else's. So when I started thinking about success and what it meant to have success, it really just put me on that road to empower people to stop looking at what other people are doing and kind of start creating your own success and building your own definition of success. Mm, I really like that a lot. Definitely something that I feel like Emma and I talk about a lot is it's so easy to get caught up in seeing what somebody else is doing and that kind of comparative aspect in motherhood. I, I feel like that's so prevalent. Even if we're not doing it in a malicious way, we're just simply aware of what somebody else is doing. I feel like that can often be it could almost be like a handicap, right? Because it's preventing you from living your own potential because you're so busy concerning yourself with what others are doing. Right. I mean, and that's so easy in the era that we live in with social media because it's in our face. I mean, Mm, once upon a time, social media didn't exist. I mean, you may have seen other mothers out at play groups or in different circles and stores, things of that nature. You could kind of admire them from afar. But I mean, now it's in your face. So you're seeing 
all these moms on social media, all these people on social media that are showing like their best moments. And you're kind of like, my, 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 my pictures don't turn out like that. My kids don't act like that. But we really don't know the stories that are behind the pictures. So in this social media, it is so easy to really just compare ourselves and be in that comparison trap, as you just said. So that's where that was another part that led me to where I wanted to help people kind of peel back those layers because we don't realize that we're getting a glimpse shot of what people show us. Mm. And we're so quick to label things as goals or I should be like that mom or I should be like that person or I wish my kids were like that. But we really don't know what these people's lives are like behind closed doors. So that was really one of my other motivating factors that people can present to you one way, but deep down inside, they may be wishing that they had your situation because we don't know what it looks like behind that picture or that video. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a really good point. And just helping people to see, I guess, more about their own talents and their capabilities from their perspective and, and focus more on that than on what, you know, what so-and-so is doing. Yes. So. Well, that's very interesting. And it's amazing that you were able to take something that was already part of your professional life with work that, you know, you were able to support women, but, but as you explained, you know, certainly in a, in a different, um, place in their lives. Right. And then now with your, with your business and life success strategy work, you're really, truly able to work with women who are ready to, like you said, to take that next step. That's wonderful. So you released your book, Rising Above Statistics, How to Overcome Obstacles and Achieve Success Against All Odds in 2017. So wondering if you could tell us just a little bit about what led you to write your first book, and then if you could share a few tips related to mindset and why it's so important to success. I remember just coming across a lot of um, terminology about mindset and the importance of that um, related to the book. So I just was curious about that. So I'm going to take, I'm going to give you the brief version of my story. So what motivated me to write my book, Rising Above Statistics, is I was a teen mom. So back when I was about to graduate high school, I found out that I was pregnant and I had all these plans because I was the honor student, scholar student, scholarships, things of that nature to go to college just in different states. I hadn't even applied to a college in my home state because I had plans to go out of state and just conquer the world, basically. But then I found out I was pregnant And that kind of just put the best laid plans to a halt because here I am going from being this teenager with no responsibilities to overnight, I'm going to become someone's mom. Hmm. So that led me on a journey that put me really into a depression over the years. And when my son was about, I would say three, three, uh, I reached a point where I was just ready to end my life. So I had dropped him off at daycare and I tell this story in my book. So I had dropped him off at daycare and really kissed him goodbye with no plans to see him again. Cause at that time I was feeling so down, so depressed. I felt like a failure. Like I had let myself down. I had let my parents down. I had let everyone down and I just really didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. So when I dropped him off at daycare, I went back to my apartment and I, really had the plans to end my life, but then I fell asleep. And at that time, when I, during my depression, sleep was my escape. So I fell asleep. And while I was asleep, my son appeared in my dream and he said to me, mommy, don't go. I need you. And I jumped up at that moment and I'm looking around my apartment like, okay, I know one, my son couldn't tell me that because he's not old enough to verbalize that to me. 
And two, I know that I'm alone and I know I dropped him off at daycare. So what is happening? And I'm looking around trying to figure out what's going on. But I could just keep hearing the words in my head. Mommy, don't go. I need you. Like it was just like a tape on repeat in my head and I could just keep hearing it. And it really kind of broke me at that point to where I realized, because I am a Christian, so I believe in God and things of that nature, that that was God that was talking to me in that moment and letting me know that no matter how bad I felt things were, this situation was only temporary. So I really just had to use my son as my motivation at that time because I had really lost motivation in myself, lost my sense of determination, and I was just being so consumed by everything around me that it had put me in that low place. So it became that positive message of if I can't do it for myself, then I have this little boy and he needs me. So I have no choice but to make it for him because no matter how bad of a job I feel I'm doing, no matter how bad I feel like my life has turned out, no matter how much of a failure I feel, this little boy, all he sees is his mom and he needs me and I'm the best thing in his world, flaws and all. So that really put me on the path to becoming determined to succeed and to rising above statistics because being a teen mom, you're already met with the statistics that you're going to live in poverty. You're not going to graduate college. Just all the negativity meets you, especially back then. So it became that mindset that I'm going to go to college. I'm still going to get my degree. So I wound up getting two degrees and just really started setting goals for myself and reaching every level of success that I had set for myself. So that really put me in that place of developing that mindset. So when I say that mindset plays an important part in a lot of things that I do around mindset, because with the wrong mindset, it's so easy to go down that path of feeling like a failure and getting caught up in your circumstances and caught up in your situation that you really can't see all the good around you. But sometimes it takes an outside source or someone from the outside looking in to kind of snap you back to reality of saying, okay, this part of your life may not have went as you planned, but you have so much more to live for. So I just, that was really the story behind what put me on the path to write this book in 2017. I mean, it took many years. My son was 17 and about to graduate high school by the time I actually wrote the book. But I really took my life experience in becoming a teen mom and just the different systems and things that I encountered and the different strategies that I used to kind of overcome those situations. And I put them into a book because I realized that I'm not the only person that struggles with this, whether it's a teen mom or whoever whatever the person's circumstances are, people are going to encounter obstacles, encounter hardships. And we get so caught up in thinking that they're permanent, but there is that light at the end of the tunnel. So my goal was to show in writing this book that this was my dark moment. And through therapy, through a lot of mindset work, things of that nature, I made it to the end of that tunnel and saw the light. Wow, that's a very, very powerful story. I think it's it's incredible that not only... Did you, you know, it was, it was your, it was your strength. It was also your faith and, and, and your ability to move beyond such a difficult time. But then that you really wanted to share that story and that you wanted to inspire and, and motivate other women who can relate to being in a place like that, you know, like you said, for, for a number of reasons, right? It doesn't necessarily just affect, you know, you said rising above statistics, but I feel like the statistics that might be in, you know, like you said, as a teen mom or somebody that is in, perhaps some type of an abusive situation, or maybe there's a, you know, a a challenge at home or or whatnot. I feel like there are a lot of different ways that someone could take your experiences and your obstacles and use them as, as an inspiration for, for finding healing in their own lives. 
Right. And when I first started writing the book, it was focused towards teen moms. But then as I grew and evolved, the book grew and evolved with me because that wasn't just the only situation that I faced, but that was the situation that kind of gave me those skills to become determined to keep pushing towards success so that each time I encountered a hardship, each time I encountered a challenge over the years, I was able to remember what got me through and what worked in the past. And so that's how I was able to put it in the book. And it really evolved to really any type of challenge or obstacle that someone faces. If you just have this mindset, you use certain tools, things of that nature, you can really just make it a lifestyle, make it a habit. So I really felt that was important to share because I've I've always been big, as you can see, on empowerment. That's just who I am. And I'm big on storytelling. And I feel that we're given stories for a reason. And to me, it's selfish of me if I have such a powerful story and because I fear shame or judgment or things of that nature, I don't want to share it. But I look past that fear of shame, that fear of judgment, any type of fear that comes along. And I think about what if my story reaches that one person who may feel suicidal or that one person who feels like they just can't make it another day? What if they listen to a podcast episode or read the book or things of that nature and something I said or something they read resonated with them to where they felt that they could make it through another day or make it through those circumstances? So it's really, to me, the benefit outweighs any fear, any judgment, any criticism that may come my way because it to me, it's always been about if I can just reach one person and help that one person, then I've done my job. I think that's so powerful, especially because it's what I feel like I've seen reflected in your podcast just through listening to it is that you're, you're very transparent, you're very honest, you're very direct, and you allow, you know, your listeners and your community to really understand exactly, you know, what you had gone through or what you're going through in such an open way. And I feel like that's something that we don't always see, especially in motherhood. I think just just like we were talking about social media, but even if it is at a play group or a church function or whatnot, so often we just see the one side of somebody and we don't see the struggles or we don't see what isn't going well. And I think it's very bold and very important to, to be able to share that. Well, thank you so much. And like you said, I mean, I just feel that mothers somewhere along the line We've been taught or for generations, whatever it is, just some type of tradition to where we feel like we have to have it all together. And I like that I have the platform that I have so that I can share like, okay, I don't have it all together. I'm doing this podcast. I'm doing all these things, but I still struggle just like everyone else. And it's just being able to be transparent. I feel in doing that storytelling, as you said, and you coming across the podcast and hearing the messages of it's kind of refreshing in that nature to kind of hear people share that behind the scenes is what I like to call it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, in relating to that, you definitely address the concept of mom guilt multiple times on your podcast. And I know it's also a, a model that you teach on your digital course, which I definitely want to ask you a little bit more about in a second. But um, to the to the topic of mom guilt, how have you managed to overcome mom guilt or or perhaps it's always a work in progress, right? So how do you, I guess, manage or, or, or handle mom guilt? And are there any strategies you could share for moms who are struggling in this department? Because let's just say those episodes really resonated with me because I think mom guilt is is something that I would argue plagues the majority of mothers, even if they're not even aware of it. I, I would say that it, it might be something they're encountering, so... 
Yes, I agree with that. Mom guilt is a thing that I believe all moms encounter. We may just not have a name, be able to put a name to it, but it's that feeling that we all feel that if we do something outside of being a mother, if we put our attention in a place other than our children and family, then we're not as good of a mom. We're failing in our duties as a mom and all the other things that we tell ourselves. So one of the first things that I did when when I managed it, because mom guilt, it still comes up and to me, it's never going to go away. But one of the first things that I came to the realization and people laugh when I say this because I'm just so blunt with it is that I had to confront mom guilt and tell myself that it's a lie. Mom guilt is really a lie that we're telling ourselves. No one is imposing this upon us, but as we spoke on earlier with the things we see in social media or the way we compare ourselves to others, we start telling ourselves these messages that if I'm not with my kids 24-7 a day, then I'm not a good mom. If I take time to do something for myself and it doesn't involve my kids, then I'm selfish and I'm no good and I'm failing in my duties as a mom. These are messages that we kind of tell ourselves. There's really no one that is telling us this, but somewhere in the traditions, the norms and things of that nature, going back to even the times when moms were in the house all the time. So that was the role, caregiver, things of that nature. That was what moms did. And I think it kind of just has transpired over the years to where we just feel that although our lives has has evolved as mothers and as women to where we're working outside the house, a lot of us or doing many other roles, we still have that in our mindset that we're supposed to be the cook, clean, all those type of things and do all the things and devote our lives to our family. So to me, the first thing is just to confront the fact that mom guilt is a lie and it really have to start reprogramming the messages that we tell ourselves. So when I was got to the point where I was like, okay, this mom guilt is a lie. If I am spending quality time with my children, then it is okay for me to go ahead and do something nice for myself. And that's something that we all struggle with. I mean, even now to this day, when I talk about mom guilt being a lie, I still struggle with the fact that my kids may want me to go play a game or things of that nature. I'm like, no, I have a podcast episode to do or something like that. And that message in the back of my mind is like, okay, am I failing them because I didn't stop and play with them? I see. Yeah. Because we discount, I think, the amount of time that we give our children and the amount of time that we put into our families. We don't give ourselves enough credit for that. So that minute that we say no or that minute we go to do something else, it's like a big just kind of shock and that's when those messages come in. So one of the things I did to answer your question about tips is positive affirmations. Those really helped me a lot. So when I got to the point of, okay, I'm telling myself I'm a failure as a mom because I'm not doing this. I'm failing my kids, things of that nature. It's like, no, look at the bright side. You're a great mom. And why are you a great mom? Because you got up and your kids had food today. It may not have been a full course meal or things of that nature, but you fed your kids today. You're a great mom because you took the time to play that game with them. You took the time to nail TikTok Nation. You took the time to do the TikTok with them. <laughs> it's okay. You spent those time. You're spending that quality time. We don't have to dedicate 24 hours a day, seven days a week to our kids. We were women before we were mothers. And we're always going to be women and we're always going to be mothers now. So there's no reason why we have to sacrifice our womanhood just because we're mothers. Mm. Yeah, I, I really, I mean, that it, it, it just really hits me so personally because I feel like one aspect of, of mom guilt that I've been struggling with is that 
you know, my, my son Emerson, he's, he's a toddler and there are, I mean, there are moments, Luan, where I'm like, okay, I love him immeasurably, but like, I don't really feel like doing that puzzle for the millionth time in a row or reading the same book a millionth time in a row. And I, I think to myself, am I a bad mom that like, I feel a little bored today? Or am I a bad mom that I feel a little bit like, oh, do we have to, you know, throw food on the floor again? Like sometimes I have those feelings right. and it's, it, it's, it's important to remember that like, I, I really think that there are probably few people that want to, you know, do a puzzle and read a book for two hours straight and then have food thrown at them. <laughs> like, I mean, right. I think it's pretty understandable that there are going to be those moments of, of not loving every second of it or needing to say, okay, you know, to, whether it's to my husband or to, you know, we have a, a, a nanny who comes very occasionally, but to say, Hey, look, I need a little bit of support or help here. I, I think that that's really important to remember. So this is, this is a message that is certainly hitting with me. And I feel like our, our listeners are really going to relate as well. And that is, that is important to remember because even in hearing you tell that story to me, as I said before, we discount the amount of times we say yes. So you said yes, how many times and played the game, did the puzzle, had food thrown at you. But it's that one time that we say no, that it's like, oh then my gosh, it's yes. this big thing. And we just feel horrible. And believe me, I my kids were toddlers once too. When I started on this journey to becoming more than a mother, my youngest child, she was, I would say, I think three or four. So yeah, so I started around the time that they were, my two daughters were young. So I have learn this has evolved over years so I don't want anyone to be deceived or get twisted that this has been in the process for almost seven years now it's 2020 now that started back in 2013 so my kids were young and I was learning to navigate and had them in everything and was doing everything for them but what I learned and what I would leave for the parents right now just in dealing with the mom guilt is that when you reach that point of burnout, and that's what I did because I was giving so much to my kids and not replenishing my own tank or filling myself up, I was had them in all the activities. I was playing the games all the time. I was never saying no. I was giving, giving, giving to everyone else. Then I got to the point that I was just miserable and I was burnt out and I had nothing left to give. Mm. So I think just the message to hear in this is that parents, moms with, young, with their young children realize that when you're miserable, then your whole household is miserable. So if you need to ask for that help, if you need to say no to playing that game so that you can recharge your mental health and things of that nature, then realize that's okay because you don't want to reach that point where you're feeling so burnt out that you have nothing left to give because then you're really no good to anyone. So you really need to fill up your own tank and don't reach that miserable point because then it's just a trickle-down effect where if you're married, your spouse is going to be miserable, your kids are going to be miserable, and everyone is just upset because mom is in this state where she's given so much to everyone that she's worn herself out. So being there and having young kids and things of that nature at one point in time, it's just important that even in the toddler hustle, find that time, even if it's just 10 minutes of quiet time where you can just recharge and kind of get your mind together so that you are able to give fully and give better to your family and children. That's a really good point. I think sometimes we get really caught up in thinking that the what would it be? The quantity is more important than the quality, right? So it's, yes. you know, as opposed to saying, well, in the time that I'm spending with him, you know, make that be really quality as opposed to just kind of running myself ragged. Right. And that's the thing. It's all about quality because our kids at the end of the day, they're going to remember the things that we did 
and how much those memories meant to them. It's not going to say, oh, on this day, you said no to me for the, (laughs) when I asked you for the 50th time to do something with me, you did it with me 49 times, but I remember that one time where you said no. They're not going to remember that. Mm -hmm. That's true. They're going to remember all the times you did sit down and play with them and... Yeah. And I think we also probably have to give ourselves credit as mothers. I know, obviously, your children are certainly much older now, or like they, they wouldn't need, you know, daycare as, for example, like or, or a nanny situation or whatnot. But, you know, I'm sure that when you were choosing daycares, nannies, you were choosing them all conscientiously and carefully. And so it's like, I feel like I have to remember that too, that, you know, if Everson is with a nanny or we're looking into, um, I explained on, um, on one of our recent podcasts that we're looking into just a, part-time Montessori school for him. It's like, I mean, I'm doing all of the work to find the best environment for him. And yet I still feel this sense of like this guilt. And it's like, I need to let it go. If I'm putting him in the hands of another responsible, loving adult, then I'm doing my job as a mother and I can step back and say, okay, this is now time for me and and do that guilt-free. So that's a good reminder. Yes. And you trust your own judgment because as you said, you're going to make the best choices and choose the best places and daycares and nannies and things exist for a reason. If there was no reason for them, then they would not exist. So that's important to remember. Mm -hmm. So obviously, even just talking about this now, I feel like it ties into your self-paced digital course that you just released at the beginning of this month of July that's entitled From Overwhelmed to Organize and Organized, excuse me, From Overwhelmed to Organize. So I was just wondering if you could just share a little bit more about this course and, and what can moms expect for it. So if any of our listeners are, are interested in, in a digital course, like what exactly is it and, and, and what kind of a fit would that be for, for moms? I would love to. So my course from Overwhelmed to Organized, it's all about managing family, business, and all the things in between. So if you're like me, you have a lot of things on your plate, a lot of things that you are juggling, and it's so easy to be overwhelmed by that. So inside this course, I actually do an activity with a plate where we look at and jot down everything that we have on our plate. So we take a plate and we write down every single thing that we're doing in all areas of our lives. Because as mothers, as women, we don't see all the things that we do. So when we can put it on a plate and see this physical representation of these are all the things that I'm involved in, that gives us a sense of, okay, this is why I'm tired at the end of the day. This is why I feel overwhelmed. This is why I'm run down, things of that nature. So we start with that physical representation. And then I walk through just a series of exercises. So the plate is kind of like the lifestyle inventory where we're seeing what's going on in our lives. And then from there, we're looking at, okay, how can we cut things off our plate? What things do we really have to be involved in? What things are very important? Where are the non-negotiables? What is negotiable? And we kind of start to see these things and see areas where we can kind of trim and cut back. And then we move into setting boundaries and looking at what boundaries look like because as moms, a lot of times we don't want to have boundaries because we want to say yes to everybody and say yes to everything that we lose track of. Boundaries are really necessary in life. So we look at boundaries and walk through exercises on how to set boundaries. And from there, we walk through establishing priorities because we like to multitask. We like to do all the things. As I said, that's why the course says all the things in between because as moms, we're doing all the things. And a lot of times we want to multitask and do a little bit of everything to where we have a whole lot of things that are just incomplete and not finished. So we really look at what it means to set priorities and how can we better prioritize things in our day so that we're addressing all the areas of our life that we want to address at a given time. 
and really working through that. So it's really just a course to kind of just help moms look at all that you have, see that physical representation of all you have going on, and then provide that organization to where I am a mom, I'm a wife if I'm married, I may work, I may want to start a business, I may want to do a hobby. These are all the things that make up me as a person, as a woman, being more than a mother. These are all the things that are going into me. So how can I make all these things work together in harmony? And we look at that work-life balance because I don't like the word balance, but I really do dissect in there what my views are on balance and how it can kind of debunk that traditional thought of balance and move to more like a work-life harmony to where everything is working in sync and working together so that we're addressing our different needs. And at the end of the day, we're feeling fulfilled as women, as mothers, so that we're showing up as our best selves in all areas of life. So that's really what the process is in going through that course. Wow, that's tremendous. And and this is obviously all content that you've put together based on your own experiences, your own learning, and obviously tying back into the book you wrote, tying back into your, your More Than a Mother, the podcast and the whole community you've created. So, and is this, this is self-paced, correct? So, yeah, so can, it's a, okay. yes, it's a self-paced digital course. So once you enroll in it, you can take, you can do it as fast as you want or as slow as you want. It is a self-paced course and I do check in just to see how you are doing throughout the time. And I like to share that this is something that I currently still use. So it is rinse and repeat as I like to tell people. So you go through it once, but then we easily build our plates back up. And it's Mm -hmm. something that you can refer back to and things that I still, even as I was putting the course together and I started feeling overwhelmed with some things, I had a friend tell me, hey, you're writing the course, you're creating the course right now. Why aren't you using your own materials? And it was like, yeah, why am I not using my own materials? And it was kind of, that was a funny conversation because I'm telling her that this is how I'm feeling. She's like, well, it sounds like you need to take your own course. And I was like, yeah, you're right, I do. <laughs> and I actually got out and I did some of the exercises to help me kind of prioritize so that I could get the course done and get everything else that I needed to get done. So this is not anything that I haven't done myself that I still don't use myself. And it just, to me, it's an extra tool that moms can have just to kind of help refer back to and, hey, I may need to look this at this and reference this to kind of just help me get things in order. And you can refer back to it and use it in many different ways. That's awesome. That sounds fantastic. And I know at the end of our time today, you'll be able to tell our listeners just a little bit more where they can connect with you and where they can find you. And of course, we'll put all this in the show notes too. So so that's awesome. Well, thank you for explaining that in just a little bit more detail. So those that are listening can know exactly where to find you. But I feel like, I mean, there is no greater advertisement than simply saying, I created a digital course that I enjoy so much that I actually use it in my life. Because yes. to know that this is something that has helped you be so successful, I mean, that's that's a testament to to just, you know, what a positive experience it would be for anybody that, that decided to enroll. So... Um, another topic that I wanted to to chat with you about is you released two back-to-back podcast episodes fairly recently where you shared how white people can be allies and show up for black people. So your episode 29, Advocating for Black People, Why We Need Our White Allies to Show Up and Speak Up, and also episode 30, Unlocking the Power of Diversity Through Strong and Effective Allyship, both offered a deep dive into the ways in which white people can be effective allies. So 
To our listeners who haven't had yet a chance to check out these two important episodes, which I just want to insert real quickly here, these are two episodes that I have personally shared to family and friends, to a group chat I have with my husband and his family, to my own personal family chat, and then just a few close girlfriends with whom I've been, you know, discussing what's what we've been seeing and what's been happening in our world over the past several weeks and months. And I I felt that these were episodes that were really essential for for them and for their learning. So I just wanted to insert that in there that I, I don't say it, I don't share these two episode titles and numbers just to do it. I, I share it because I feel like it's extremely valuable information. So, but to our listeners who have not yet had a chance to check out these two important episodes, Luan, would you mind sharing a little bit more about what it means to be a white ally? Certainly. And I just want to thank you for sharing that. I mean, when I did these episodes, and I guess that's one of the great things about having my own podcast, being an entrepreneur, is that you can start production at any time and just kind of flip up, flip the script. So when I did these two episodes, I had paused my normally scheduled programming. And it was at the time when everything happened with George Floyd and just all the racial injustice and things of that nature were really coming to a head. And I just felt that, okay, I can't do business as usual. And I mean, I usually talk about motherhood just on my podcast and that's what it's really about. But it was just such a high intense time in our country that I just felt the need to really speak out because I felt like it was a great time to have a conversation because we all saw the tape or those that watched the tape saw what happened. And it was just really like everyone felt that same emotion as, okay, how did this happen? Why is this happening? And what can we do about it? So I really was blessed and grateful to have the platform to really put together these two episodes to where I could talk about this. And I also, as a side note, with my full-time job, I do a lot of work with social justice. So with social justice, we're looking at just all types of inequities, whether it's race, um, gender, things of that nature, everything like that, ability, all of those things. So I have that in my background as well. So I do a lot of work with social justice. So I kind of merged it all together to do these episodes because I had just done a training with for work about allyship and social justice and what privilege mean, means and things of that nature. So it was very right on time subject. So in terms of being an ally, it's really using, there's this term that is really, depending on where you are, some people hadn't heard of white privilege before, or if you had heard of white privilege, then it was kind of taken as like a negative thing. So that was one of my first things that I wanted to do in doing my episodes. Like, okay, let's talk about what exactly is white privilege. It's not anything that's negative. It's just recognizing the fact that because of the history of this country, because of how things were done in the past, that being white and having a certain skin color, it gives you a certain privilege. It gives you a certain level up, things of that nature. So I really wanted to break down, okay, what exactly is white privilege? So once we have that conversation, we don't white privilege is not something to look at in a negative light. And I think when people hear white privilege, they think of white supremacy. And that's where that misunderstanding was coming in. It's like, no, supremacy is one thing. That's hate. That's all those negative message. The privilege part is just recognizing that I have a certain power because my skin color is white. I have my voice is heard differently because of my skin. And since I recognize that, I'm going to use my privilege 
to speak for those and advocate for those that whose voice often go unheard and they're not taken as seriously. So being an ally means using that privilege, using that voice, using whatever means you have to really kind of just speak up, say something, take action, do something, things of that nature to where you really can make an impact because I could say something and then Mackenzie, you could say it. And because of the color of my skin, someone may not take it as serious from me. But if you reiterate what I say, then for some reason, because of how things are, your voice may be heard a little louder than mine. Hmm. So that's really the foundational part of being an ally is understanding that you can stand beside people, even though you may not understand what exactly they're going through. We all know the difference between right and wrong. And we can all make excuses or try to justify things and say, well, if such and such didn't happen, then maybe this wouldn't have happened. But at the end of the day, everyone knows the difference between right or wrong. And if we can look at a situation and say, if my skin color was the opposite, would I have been treated the same way? And you get a different answer, then that's where you start thinking about, okay, what is right and wrong? And what can I do on my part to kind of start to right this wrong? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was really what put the foundation together for these episodes for these episodes because I wanted to start the conversation but then also let it be known that as a black woman I really can't teach a white person how to be an ally I can just tell you from my perspective what it means I can tell you what I see from my lens and give you the tools to empower yourself and encourage you to reach out to those in your circles that you can read the books or connect with those that are doing this allyship and really figure out what the importance of is in being an ally and really how to effectively be an ally. And I, and you know, I, I think what I found so powerful in both of the episodes is that you come from a place of, uh, I, I think I felt, I felt, um, honestly, I felt uplifted because I felt like you were telling me that my voice has power and I have, I, I, I actually have a role to play and it's not a role of, you know, of sitting back. It's, it's a role of increasing my understanding and educating myself and learning more and seeking information and, and digging into this and pressing into this. And that I, you know, I, I'm not just going to sit here and feel a certain way and be silent. So I, I think that that was what was, what was really powerful in, in what you shared. In addition to, you know, I think you went into and, in, you know, in both episodes, very personal. How does this affect you every day? How does this affect you as a mother? How does this affect you as a black mother who is raising a black son, you know, with two black daughters? Like I felt like you, you really exposed a lot of, you know, I would say, you know, perhaps things that feel vulnerable to you, if I may, and, and be that transparent. And I, I found myself feeling, just extremely like, you know, this is an opportunity for me to hear this from you and then to sit back and, and do an inventory and reflect on what am I currently doing right now and what could I be doing, which which I thought was, it, it felt, you know what, I felt uplifted, but it also felt like an invitation, if that makes sense. And yes, and that makes perfect sense. And I think having that invitation, it's kind of that same way on my end to where I was able to record these episodes because it was kind of that invitation that America, people of all colors are really at a point where they're ready to listen and ready to take action. So uh, to me, it was an invitation on my end as well, because thinking about growing up and all of that, 
There were things that you don't talk about. And it was always race, politics, and religion. Those are just things that have always been taboo subjects that no one wants to ever talk about. But it was finally a time where it was like, okay, it's okay to talk about race. So let's have that conversation. So it was really an invitation to many of us and a charge to many of us to use our voices and use what we can to get the message out there because that invitation was extended to where it's finally okay to talk about race. And I think that because we haven't talked about race and those taboo subjects for so long, the culture just has continued to kind of, it's like putting a Band-Aid on a gash. So you kind of put that Band-Aid over it, then one day it's just all going to erupt, all the blood's going to go everywhere. And that's kind of what we're witnessing right now. And now is that time where that invitation is open so that you and I can sit here and have this conversation and we both feel welcome to have it in the, where in the, as in the past, if we said white mother or black mother or white person or black person, we would kind of be hesitant to say it. And even sometimes, even in the back of our mind, still having the conversation, we may still be hesitant to say it because that's how it's always been. Mm -hmm. And I was just glad that I had that opportunity to kind of share on my platform that motherhood is a universal experience, but there are certain things that I experienced as a black mother that white mothers wouldn't necessarily experience. And to me, it was kind of opening that veil of these are the conversations we have. These are the things that we go through just to kind of show the different conversations and the different thought processes that go on behind closed doors. But then at the end, it's like, okay, as a mother, as we all heard that George Floyd was calling for his mom. And as a mom, you know that when your child is calling for you, and even though his mom was deceased, he was still calling for her. So it was kind of like that charge to even not just people, but mothers as a whole to realize that that was somebody's child and that could have easily been my child. So let me use my platform to speak up. So in the hopes that God forbid it's ever anyone that's close to me in that situation, but that a white ally would feel empowered enough to kind of, I don't know, act in that situation, not physically stopping the police or things of things like that, but make a call or something of that to not just stand by and have like that bystander effect. Mm, exactly, exactly. Yes, I, I mean, I, I think it's something Emma and I have talked about this. Um, I feel like there have probably been a lot of, uh, of of individuals, you know, mothers chatting together, families chatting together, where, you know, over the past several weeks, uh, the talking about, about white privilege, talking about some of the terminology that I, I quite frankly, wasn't even really familiar with. Like, I, I, I wasn't familiar with the term anti-racist or the term microaggressions. And some of these things now, it feels like, Oh gosh, like how, how, how is it possible that I spent this many years living completely like I, I feel in many ways like an ostrich despite, you know, going to school and despite, you know, feeling like I have a diverse group of friends. Then here I am. It, it felt like, you know, it's like, feel like that cold bucket of water gets dumped on your head. And, right. um, and, and that was just something that, that was really powerful for, for both of us to start having these conversations and then to realize that then separately, both of us are also having these conversations with our friends. And then we're, you know, you, you kind of can feel that spider web effect and really hoping that that does take root. And in fact, um, in a podcast, the one that you recorded just a few weeks ago with Corey Asuncion of That's Not Proper podcast, yes. which your, your interview with her was, was just incredible as well. And, you know, one thing that, I really liked that that she said and that you said in, in your conversation together was that you don't want this to lose steam. You don't want people to just tune in for a little while and then stop tuning in. And you you wanted to, you know, use this moment, both Corey was stating that and you were stating that, to actually 
go somewhere with this beyond just this awareness that I've been saying, oh, I feel more aware, I feel more educated. Well, that's great, but what what's going to come of that? So something that I wanted to just go just a little bit further is is with you and, and speaking back again to Emma and, my, and, and me and myself, we will never fully understand your lived experiences as what you have described as a double minority, being not only black, but also a woman who is black. So therefore, it's not only essential for us to hear your honest and transparent episodes that detail your personal experiences and to tune into what you're sharing on social media and, and to connect with you in that way, it's also really important for us to genuinely endeavor to do better as becoming white allies. And in, in your show notes of one of these episodes, you included the quote, when you know better, you do better. And so kind of in that vein, what steps have you seen white people taking thus far that have been encouraging for you? And more specifically, how can we, and, and I'm saying we as including Emma in this and also including um, women that are listening right now that are white or women that are listening that are of color but are curious from your perspective on this, what can we do to better support you and to better support other women of color? Well, I think one thing, and just speaking for myself, that one thing that has been encouraging to me is having the conversations like this. So although, like you said, you reach a certain level of awareness and education, but in terms of taking action, having conversations like this on podcasts or wherever to where we're having two different sides black woman and white woman come together and have these conversations in hopes that it will open up the door. And as you referenced that episode that I did on that's not proper, where I said kind of like the pandemic to where they're saying, if you have contact with one person and then it's going to jump to another person and it could spread to so many people, I kind of like to think about these conversations and this education and awareness kind of like that pandemic to where the more conversations that are had, the more people that become educated and aware, they start to share podcast episodes, they start to have more conversations in their households. And it has that same effect that a pandemic could have to accept in a positive way to where we have more enlightened people, more awareness, because as you said, you felt like there were a lot of things that were foreign to you that you just learned about. But it's that thing of any type of situation we're in, if it's not something that impacts us or in affects us directly, then we may not be as aware of it. So don't feel that you should have known these things because it really wasn't at a point to where maybe it crossed your plate for you to know those things. And that's with any situation that we deal with. It's not really something that we become aware of until it's put in front of us. And that's why I say when you know better, you do better because now that you know, it's like, hey, what do you do with that information? So one thing you did was inviting me to have this interview with you. You've also shared out the other podcast episodes. I mean, other ways that things can people do is kind of look at these causes that are out here. If you're not one to be out there protesting or things like that, then you could donate to a specific cause. Look at the whole Black Lives Matter movement or the NAACP or any kind of other causes that are out here just really kind trying to advance the efforts in the criminal justice system or any kind of system that we're in so that we can really get to this equity part. I mean, another part that I tell people is about the importance of voting. And I'm not just talking about presidential, but just your small local elections. I mean, really look at the votes that you're, the candidates that are running and what they stand for, because we also, we, we're all focused on presidential elections and things like that, that we fail to see the small elections that really determine what's happening in our cities and in our states. Those are the ones that 
really are going to make a difference in our hometowns and make the decisions with our schools and all of our systems in our state. So looking at those local elections, looking at those candidates, because those people play very important roles and the power of a vote is just very important to kind of start to just change that on even the smallest level, like I said, with your local elections. And it's just really being aware of the choices and the decisions that you make having those conversations no one can real no one's going to get it right 100% of the time there's always going to be things to learn i'm not going to get it right all the time you're not going to get it right all the time but just important to take those steps where you're sharing the knowledge you're reading the books you're looking at ways you can get involved in a cause so that you can start to slowly make a difference and really help and educate and just keep spreading the message and that's really how things keep the momentum going because we keep having conversations. We keep spreading the word. We keep sharing because the internet's going to find something else to talk about. Uh, the media is going to find something else to talk about, but it's up to us as the people that live this to really have those conversations and keep it going. Do, like I said, we do trainings for my job on different social justice issues. So if it's something to where you want to attend a training so that you can learn more or figure out how you can get involved and things like that, but it's really just baby steps because we're not going to all get it right. We can't change everything overnight, but the more aware and the more educated that people become, then things I believe will, will slowly start to evolve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's definitely, you know, I I think some of the, some of the steps that, you know, you, you can, you can kind of see yourself, you know, taking over time, like you said, it's not going to be all overnight and it's not, it's not probably realistic to think that way, but what are some tangible steps? You know, like you said, if you have a platform speaking on it, um, you know, being aware of what's being shared over social media that has honestly been very helpful, um, and, and making donations to causes you care about and voting. I mean, all of those things feel like very tangible action steps that, that can support, you know, moving forward in a direction where we are all working on this together. I, I, f- I feel like that's, that's a very positive thing to focus on as opposed to feeling, you know, almost like frozen, like, well, what can I do? How, how could I ever make a difference? I, I feel like you've just made it's, you know, you, you've, you've broken it down to the point where you can really see these are actual actionable steps that can be taken. So that's very, very helpful one. And, okay. and the, other thing I, I wanted to say was just how much I really, truly did enjoy that, you know, like you said, you stopped your regular programming and you jumped in with those two episodes. Um, using your voice in that way was, was just really powerful. Um, because it really gave, it gave an opportunity to, to really just sit back and listen to, to what you had to say and to just completely step back with open ears and to really just let your, your voice and your experience be a guiding force to, to education and, and, and to moving forward in, in a more positive and united direction. So I, I, I think that was of great value. Thank you. Yeah. So, well, this has just been so wonderful to sit down and have this chance to chat with you. So for my very last question, I just am wondering what is the best part about being an entrepreneur? Because like you said, you do wear so many hats, but your entrepreneur hat, the one where you're creating content, you're creating courses, you're writing, you're active on social media, you've created a podcast. What about all of those things is the best part for you? To me, the best part of being an entrepreneur is having that creative control. 
So as I mentioned earlier with the podcast where I could just stop my regularly scheduled program and do what I wanted to do on that day because I felt like it was such a need or that week to get that message out there. So having that full creative control to know that this is what I'm building, there is no right or wrong, it can look however I want it to look and if it's not working for me, then I can go back and I can switch it up and I can change it until I find a way that it works for me. So to me, that creative control and that ability to know that I am the decision maker and if something's not working, then I can just switch it up. If I love something, I can keep going with it. And there's no one that can tell me you have to do it a certain way because it's something that I'm building and it's like my baby. Awesome. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's wonderful. You've certainly been able to exert your your voice and your you know your direction into into what you're doing and that's why I feel like especially your course that you just released um, from overwhelmed to organized really is so appropriate right now especially in light of I think what probably a lot of moms are feeling during the pandemic is is talking if they take were to take a look at that that pie that you described you you have them work with I think that we would all see immediately a lot of areas where things feel off kilter and things feel even right now, like there's really a need for a, a close examination of that. Yes, so. it's definitely, definitely <laughs> a time to go from being overwhelmed to feeling organized. It's a great time to do it. Absolutely. So could you please tell our listeners how they can connect with you and where they can find your courses, your book, your podcast on social media? Where can they find you? Okay, so the best way to find all my course, my book, and everything that's going on with me business-wise is on my website, lawanmoses.com. You can find me on social media. I am mostly on Facebook and Instagram, and my handles are at lawanmoses. And then for the podcast, it is at More Than A Mother Podcast. Awesome. Thank you. And we're going to um, put all of this information as well in the show notes. And then those of you who do follow us on Instagram, certainly we will be, you know, obviously presenting not only just this interview, but a little bit more about Luan on there as well so that the people can get to know you through that too. So, well, thank you, Luan, for your time, your passion, and your transparency. This has been a truly a treat to get to sit down and learn a little more about you and your story. And we just can't thank you enough. So... Thank you for having me. Yeah. So to our ABC's community, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast. And just as always, we just ask that if you enjoy what you hear and you're enjoying our podcast, please rate and review on iTunes and never hesitate to reach out to us, to me and Emma at Instagram over at at ABC's of Matrescence. We love your feedback. We love your comments and we love to stay connected with you. So thanks again, everybody for tuning in. And again, a big thank you to Luan.